Welcome to Grace Church's podcast. Thank you for joining us. The following episode was recorded live during our Sunday service. Sermon notes can be found online at grace417.com. Kids, can we welcome our kids into this service? Well, kids, we we'll all welcome you. And I just want to say a special thank you to those of you that serve our kids on Sunday mornings, our teachers of our volunteers, those that help with snacks, with check-in, with all the different things we have, thank you so, so much. You're such an important part of the discipleship of the next, this next generation. Well, we've been, a, a, we've been in a series for several months in the book of Judges, talking about broken heroes, about how even in our brokenness, even um, in, in our frailty, even in the, 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 the mess-ups, the, the stuff of our life, that God still not only wants to use us, but does use this and, and, and wants to do so. And, and for the last several weeks, we've been uh, talking about the life of Samson and really just dug into that. And this week, we're finishing Samson of our judges, who's, who are, which simply means leader. Um, in, in, that's the idea in the book of Judges. And so uh, this morning is the, is the most famous um, aspect of Samson uh, the, in chapter 16, the, the story of Samson and Delilah. And what a what a great uh, what a great sermon for family fifth, right? Yeah, Samson Delilah. All right, so I want to I want to show you guys a picture of one of my childhood heroes. Uh, this is a picture of Evil Knievel. Um, yeah, he was one of my childhood heroes. And uh, whenever I'd be riding my bike, you know, I'd pile um, stuff up to jump, and and I always you know picture in my mind I'm Evil Knievel, and and just the spelling is E V E L. Evil. It's not E V I L. He wasn't. He wasn't evil. It just he needed a cool, you know, nickname. So evil rhymes with Knievel. So um, yeah, that's that's the, that's the story behind it. He he did get it while he was in jail, but that's another story. Uh, but uh, but he he's in the Guinness Book of World Records for most broken bones. Um, 433 is, is what I read. He spent about five years in hospitals and wheelchairs because of the damage uh, that he did to himself. Jumped all kinds of craziness and stuff. Kid, kids, maybe, maybe after service, uh, with your parents' permission or your parents' help, you can YouTube some videos and see some of the crazy stunt rides that he did on his motorcycle, strapped himself in a rocket, all, all kinds of just crazy stuff. And, and you know, when I think of Samson, I, I kind of think of, like, of Evil Knievel, uh, somebody who thought they were bulletproof, uh, who thought it would never happen to them, they would never be taken down. And we see this in, in the life of Samson. And we come to Judges 16. I'm, I'm doing a, a different sermon today, a different type of sermon. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't have three neat points. Hopefully, the sermon will have a, a point, but but it, it's not going to be these three neat points because I wanted to model for the kids just a Bible study that when you get your Bible out and you read it, some great questions to ask are who, what, when, where, why, how, and as you read scriptures, you look at it, you just ask those kinds of questions, and you ask the Holy Spirit to to show you what He's saying in Scripture. You read Scripture, then you let Scripture read you. And, and as you do that, then truth from Scripture just begin to emerge. And it's not so neat and pretty and tied up with a bow like a, a sermon on Sunday morning. It's, it's much more raw than that, much more experiential than that. And so that's one of the reasons why I'm taking the approach uh, that I am this morning um, with, um, with the way I'm presenting Scripture. We're basically just going to walk through it verse by verse and, and, and just see some things that, that I believe the Lord wants to show us this morning. So starting at Judges chapter 16, verse 4. Sometime later, he was speaking of Samson. He fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, 
whose name was Delilah. Now, that's very interesting because if you think back, this is the first woman that we have known her name in the story of Samson. Uh, We didn't know his mom's name. She was the wife of Manoah. Uh, We didn't know his first wife's name. Uh, We didn't know some of his girlfriend's name. And since it's family fifth, we'll just move on from there. But, But here we have the name of Delilah. We see this. I mean, he really loved her. He desired her. He loved her. But it was not reciprocated. Um, In fact, um, she didn't really love him. And and even their names are interesting. Uh, Delilah means night, and and Samson means day or light. And so even this opposite of what you see in this is, is I believe, a prophetic picture of of the story. But, But Delilah was really never in love with him. She'd been bought by, by somebody else. She had, she, we'll see this in verse 5. 16.5, Now the rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels. A modern-day currency of, of the silver would be like 6,500 bucks. We're going to give this to you. Now we don't know how many there were, but there were a lot, and this was a big payday. Uh, there was a lot of money at stake here, and she took them up. She took these guys up on their offer. So she begins to press Samson for his secret. She begins to press him for the secret of his strength, and, and, so, that, and so that he could be subdued. And three times, he misleads her. Like, how, how sincere, I wonder, must she have seemed for him to, 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 to keep doing this with her. Keep, keep, keep doing this. And verse 6 says, so Delilah said to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength and, and how you can be tied up and you can be subdued. And verse 7, Samson answered her, if anyone ties me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not dried, I'll become weak as, as any other man. Now, seven is an important number in uh, in scripture and in the culture this day, it would mean complete. It would mean it would it would be a very symbolic picture. But but bowstring. What's a not dried bowstring? Well, I looked it up because that's what you do when you're reading the Bible and you don't understand what something is. You look it up uh, in, in, in biblical encyclopedias or dictionaries. Um, sometimes even a good Google search will will help you. And and so it was guts. It was intestines of an animal. Um, yeah, can somebody say, ooh, yuck, right? So, so they, they would take these guts of an animal and would have, I mean, how did he not smell that one coming, right? Like, they weren't even dried yet. But yet, and, and so probably in the culture of this day, it would have been a, uh, it would have been, um, it would have been uh, thought to maybe have like magical powers or or um, it wouldn't have, but it would have been perceived that in, in that culture of, of that day. And so it would have been this symbolic for, 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 for magic. And it is, this, it's not that they were so strong. As with, and he, he thought he could trick her and it would work, but, but, but it didn't. And, and, and in fact, um, we see in verse 8, Then the rulers of the Philistines brought her the seven fresh bowstrings that had not dried, and she tied him with them. And with men... So with men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the bowstrings as easily as a piece of straw snaps when it comes close to a flame. You know, like flame like straw would just, would just disintegrate. And so that's what they did. So the strength, secret of his strength was not discovered. Verse 10, then Delilah said to Samson, you made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now, tell me, 
how you can be tied. And, and, and so the story, it plays out again two more times. This happens. Uh, first, it had been with the bowstrings. Then it was with new ropes, right? Like new ropes are going to be that much stronger than slightly used ropes. But, but he tells her new ropes. And so he, he goes to sleep and she ties him with new ropes. And then uh, she, the assassins come in and she's, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he gets up and destroys them. It, it happens. And, and, then, and then the final time was a braiding of his hair with some stuff in it. And, and he's getting closer. He's edging closer to what the, the secret, what the truth really is. And, and then he gets aroused. Samson, the Philistines are among you. The assassins are, are here. And, and he gets up and he pulls the stuff out of his hair and he, he, he destroys them. Surely the first time this happened, maybe he thought it was a coincidence. But as you hear this story, as you read it, don't you just think, Samson, what were you thinking? I mean, didn't you see what was happening? But he kept playing her game. And, and I, think, I think we too are often tempted to flirt with temptation, right? We read this story and we, we, we hear it and we just say, we say, Samson, how could you be so stupid? Don't you see what's going on? But if we're just really honest, aren't there times where we're not that much different than, than Samson? That we too give in to temptation that we know is seeking to subdue our soul? That, that we think we're in control, we can stop before it's too late, before the cost is too great? And we hope against hope that we won't get burned? But we do, don't we? So story I'm going to tell, kids, do not try this at home, Okay. I'm serious, like, serious, because it was stupid what I did. So, so I know the science behind why you don't use gasoline as an accelerator for fire, right? Like, I know the science. The vapors are more flammable than the liquid, and so it, it goes boom, right? I know that, but I had a situation last year where we were trying to start a bonfire in the backyard, and the wood was, was a little wet, and I, I didn't have any other accelerators, and so, um, so I got out some gasoline. And you, how many of you know it's, it's probably not a good idea when you start to do something, and your teenage sons start backing up and say, Dad, are you sure? Are you sure about this, Dad? When your teenage sons are scared, like that's a pretty good sign that, that you maybe you ought to kind of reconsider this, right? Well, well, that's 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 what was going on, and so and so as I as I looked at the, I, I was so I, I did, and sure enough, you know, I lost some lost some hairs on my legs and on my arms, all on my arms, and I and and, and so I mean, you, you don't do that, like it's it was stupid, right? It was stupid. Yes, can I get an amen? It was stupid. Don't do that. But I thought, well, surely, surely it won't, won't really happen to me. And, so some, and we can be like that in life with all different kinds of things. Book of Proverbs, it says, can a man scoop fire into his lap and his clothes not be burned? No, Jay, you will get burned. That's what the Bible was telling me in Proverbs chapter 6. But like evil Knievel, like Samson, we think we're bulletproof. We think it won't happen to us. We think we're the exception. What's interesting here is we as we continue in this story that that what Delilah was really after, we always talk about how she was after the secret and that Samson gave her the secret, but really it wasn't about the secret. It was about Samson's heart. It was about the heart, not not the secret. Judges chapter 16, verse 
15. And she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? Now we know the book of Proverbs says, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life, that it's the source of life, of life that, that, that the seed of our emotions are, are our mind, our will, our emotions, this, this part of our life that, that where our life comes from, that, that we, we have to guard it, we have to protect it, right? And, he, and, and she was like, I don't have your heart, I don't have all of you, you're holding back from me. She was going after his heart, even more than the secret, she was going after his heart. You've mocked me these three times, and you've not told me where your great strength lies, and when she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. The word vexed here, the idea of vexed is, is to, that means he was torn. He was in conflict. He was torn between this woman that he loved and the risk that he knew that it entailed. She had asked him to hand over his heart, his very identity of, of who he was. And he gave in. And his words were finally honest. And he told her all of his heart. Verse 17, And he told her all of his heart and said to her, A razor has never come upon my head. I've been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. And we talked about this several weeks ago, what those limitations meant about how he had been set apart for the Lord, that, that there were limitations that were put on the calling on his life, that he wasn't to partake of, of wine, of, of the, the fruit of the vine, of to touch anything that was dead and to ever have his hair cut. Those are signs of the, the call of a Nazarite vow upon his life. He was set apart. He said, if my head is shaven, then my strength will leave me and I shall become weak and be like any other man. And Samson gave Delilah his heart. He gave her his heart. And it's the most, actually it's one of the most honest moments in Samson's life. Here as he revealed his heart to this woman he so desperately loved, the interior life of Samson's heart is revealed. Because it didn't have anything to do, it wasn't magical hair, it didn't have to do with that. As it had always been, his hair was nothing more than the symbolic image of his heart, of his commitment, of his vow to the Lord, of the interior life, a commitment to the unique work of God that God wanted to do in him and through him. And he just laid this life out before Delilah. And the final words of this sentence are, are really, really powerful. I shall become weak and I shall become like any other man. I think he really struggled with his calling. I think he really struggled with his identity, with this Nazarite vow of, of one who is a part of the community of God, of one who is set apart, of one who is called, that he wasn't supposed to be like any other man, that he had continued to flirt with the things of Philistine, of the Philistines, of Philistine, and, and he would... His heart was given towards that, the propensity towards that. I think he was tired. I think he had lost the freshness, the sense of his calling, and he, he just wanted to be like the other people. And, and Have you ever had days like that? Have you ever had weeks like that? Have you ever, have you ever wrestled with that some? That, that as part of the community of faith, a part of, of one who is called of God, which you are, the one who God wants to use in a very unique and very special way, which he does with every one of you, that sometimes, have you ever just wanted to just be regular, to be normal, to not have the limitations, to not have the restrictions that come with being one who is called of God, which you are, one who is a part of a community of faith, which you are? 
But sometimes those restrictions, those limitations that we know are a blessing, we know that are good. That you could identify with the psalmist who wonders why the wicked get ahead. You ever had days or thoughts like that? I think Samson did. And I think in the moment of weakness, he gave in and he, and he gave of, of, of his heart and he, and he gave it up. Verse 18, when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up again, and for he has told me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands. And she, she made him sleep on her knees, so he, he fell asleep in her lap. And, and she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. And then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep, and he said this. He said, I will go out as, as at other times and shake myself free. I'm going to be able to go out, be able to shake myself free. He treated it as he had always done it before because he, had, because he had not received immediate consequences from his other failings. He thought he had gotten away with it. He thought he, he, thought he, 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 had, he could get away with it. He thought it was okay. He just he had taken for granted that. I was visiting a few weeks ago with a gentleman in the church here. We were talking about Samson and some thoughts on Samson and his name is Jason Kramer. He sent me an email, uh, and just some th- and they were so good. I just wanted to read you his his thoughts on Samson. He said, "We're not any really any different from from Samson. God doesn't God doesn't strike us down dead when we sin. It's my belief that sin is more like a disease, and God's the cure. If we abandon the cure or come to the place in our hearts where we feel we do not need to be cured or believe we are not sick with sin, don't need God, then our hearts are no longer in a condition to receive the antidote." I believe this is what happened to Samson. He crossed a threshold in his heart where he no longer held his vow or God with any respect. When his hair was cut, so was the most obvious feature of his Nazarite vow. Cutting his hair was cutting his vows to God. Not only God cut Samson off, it was Samson who cut off God. He was no longer able to expect the Spirit of God due to his heart condition. And then we just have this really, really sad verse. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Wow. Let those words just sink in. He didn't even recognize that the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord had been lifted off of him. Verse 21. And the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. And and he ground at the mill in the prison. And so he, would, he was grinding the wheat, just going in circles. He did what, is, we found a sentence that's repeated over and over in the book of Judges. He did what was right in his own eyes. And as he did what was right in his own eyes, it ended up in a place of being bound, of being imprisoned, of having his eyes gouged out, of losing his vision, of walking in circles. And we could say that sin does the same thing in our life, doesn't it? It's a dead end. It's, it's a prison. It's... It promises us good. We think it's going to be good. It's, it's, it's fun for a season, but it, but it ends in bondage. But then I love verse 22. It's the best verse, best verse of this morning. But the hair on his head began to grow again. And you hear that and you're like, how's that so special? In fact, when we were preparing the kids' bulletin, the special one that they have this morning, they asked me if I wanted a verse, a fill-in-the-blank verse for the kids. So kids, this is your fill-in-the-blank verse in your bulletin. Hint, hint. 
right? That's the secret of a good teacher, right? The good teacher gives you the answers, right? So kids, there's your answers. Um, so I sent it into the office and I actually came back to my office and I said, are you sure you sent the right verse to us? Because how could that be significant? How could that verse, how could that verse be that special, right? There's not, nothing miraculous about hair growth. In fact, there's, there's hair growing on, on, your, on your head right now. and You, you don't feel it, you don't know it, you don't, but, it, but it is. You see, all was not lost. Ultimately, his identity could not be shaven away. His calling ultimately could not be cut away. It could not be taken away permanently. Samson hadn't caused it to grow. Had he? It's not like he was sitting in prison, like just trying real hard to get his hair to grow. Could, no. But it was a process, and I think it was a, a symbol of what was going on in his heart, of his heart drawing back close to the Lord again. Who you are, by God's calling, always comes back. It always grows back. The Bible says that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Well, what does that mean? That means God is never going to change His mind about you. He's never going to change His mind about you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you might do. God is never going to change His mind about you. The plans, the purposes He has for you, the reason why He created you according to Ephesians 2.10. You can't mess up bad enough for God to ever change His mind about you. He doesn't do that. His heart is for you. It's, 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 not, a, it's not against you. I want to share an illustration with you this morning based on 1 John chapter 2, 27. It says, as for you, turn to your neighbor and say, as for you. Mm-hmm. As, as for you, the anointing which you received from Him abides in you. So each of us have an anointing that we received from Jesus that abides in us. And a lot of times the word anointing is maybe misunderstood. And I, I borrow this illustration from a friend of mine, Daniel Brown, one of our missionaries. And, and it could be misunderstood, but what anointing simply means is to be set apart for a specific purpose. Each one of you are anointed. Each one of you have been anointed by God to fulfill the purpose He created you for, which is to which is to make disciples of all nations, which is to, um, the, to, to bring restoration, to healing, to the broken, to the hurt, to the lost, in your own unique way, and, and, who, and how God has shaped you, and how He has formed you. And, and we're each, each like this spoon. This is in a, if, if I'm using this spoon, and, and every, every once in a while, once a year, I, I help Heather with dinner, but every once in a while, I'll cook, and kids, you can help me with this, but if I'm cooking, if I'm helping Heather, if I'm cooking, and I'm making, let's say I'm making spaghetti, and if I'm making spaghetti, and I don't know, I'm making some corn too, I don't know, but we like spaghetti and corn together. It's a good starchy meal, isn't it? And, and I don't, it just tastes good together, doesn't it? So if I'm making spaghetti, and I, have a, and I have a corn, should I put my spoon from the spaghetti into the corn, Right? No, I shouldn't do that, should I? Because you don't want your corn tasting like spaghetti, right? I mean, you just, oh, I shouldn't. You know, you use a, a separate spoon for each one. But what happens if I use the wrong spoon and I put it from the spaghetti into the corn? Do I then 
Throw the spoon away? You terrible spoon. I'm never using you again. You did wrong. Would, would, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Would you, would you do that to your spoon? No. You'd go to the sink, you wash it off, and you keep using it, right? And we think we're like that spoon. Oh, no, I've blown it. I messed up. I, God will never, because the devil tells you he'll never be able to use you. You'll never be able to contribute. You've blown it now. You've gone too far now. And that's a lie of the enemy. It's simply not true. It's not true. God doesn't change his mind about you. There's an obscure parable in the New Testament. I don't have this on the screen up there, but, but if you want to turn in your Bibles to Luke 13, it's, a, it's called the, maybe you, you may not have heard it, it's called the, the parable of manure. Did you ever, have you ever, it's an obscure, I read it this week and I kind of forgot about it, I kind of read it in a fresh way. You guys didn't know Jesus gave a parable about manure, did you? Well, he did. It's in Luke 13, verse 6. He said, he, some people call it the parable of the fig tree. I don't. I call it the parable of manure. But so then he, if you, kids, if you don't know what manure is, ask your parent. <laughs> Welcome to Family Fit. <laughs> and then he, then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but he could not find any. Verse 7, chapter 13 of Luke. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should we use up the soil? Here it is. This is a good part. Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it and put manure on it. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then we'll cut it down. Manure? Why would you use manure? Think think about manure, manure for a little bit. I mean... It'd be fair to say it's waste, right? Would that be fair? Stinky? Yucky? Takes a while to break down? But yet, from that waste, from that stink, from that mess, over time, life can come from it. Good can come from it. Nurturing can come from it. Resource can come from it. And I think of Samson's life. Even in this manure in, in, in Luke 13, it's a wait, you've got to wait a year. This isn't a quick fix. How many here like quick fixes, right? I mean, man, yeah, I like a quick fix. It's not always how change comes about. But he's saying, I mean, I just think of Samson, I think of Samson. And stuck in that prison. It's kind of like manure was probably, his, his life hadn't, he hadn't accomplished what God wanted. It hadn't worked in his life. It, he'd, he'd failed. He was like that fig tree that hadn't produced the fruit he was intended to. And so it's like, well, let's just let's, let's see if manure will help. And I think he probably thought that year was a waste. Or not that year, that, the, the year is from Luke 13. But the time Samson was in the prison, we don't know how long it was. I'm sure he thought it was a waste. I'm sure it was stinky. Not just physically, metaphorically. And if you think back on your life, can you think of some t- seasons that seemed like a waste? Seasons that were stinky. Seasons that were difficult. But yet, as you look back, you see how God did something beautiful. How he brought flowers up out of that manure. How he brought life out of it. And we see this in the story of Samson, because God wants to use everything 
for his glory. Verse 23, now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, the, who is the grain god, the god of the grain. The, the symbolism here is, is amazing uh, to their god, because remember, he had been he had been in the grinding the wheat, and, and he wanted to be like every other guy, but then he ended up like every other guy. He didn't like it because he became what he worshipped, because he had worshipped the Philistines and, and the where way of life, and then he had been bound by their very thing, functioning in a, in a way of, of that would have had influence from their God, and it just wasn't what he had wanted. And they said, our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. And when the people saw him, they praised their God, saying, our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste who laid, who laid waste our land and multiplied our slain. And while they were in high spirits, they shouted, bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison. He performed for them. And he was there, and they were making fun of him. And when they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant, because remember he was blind, so who, who held his hand, put me where I can fill the pillars that support the temple, so that I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women, and all the rulers of the Philistines were there. And on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. And then Samson, he prayed. And a few weeks ago, Kerry Higgins taught on this prayer uh, it was just fantastic, and Samson basically prayed this, Lord, remember me, Lord, strengthen me, Lord, use me. And what a great prayer that we learned. When we find ourselves in that place of difficulty, that place of failure, that place of, of, of being in want, that, that, that season of, of difficulty, of even manure, the Lord, remember me, Lord, strengthen me, Lord, use me. And the Lord did. And we learned that even in our failures, God can still accomplish his purposes. That his purposes, what he wants to do, are even greater than what our failures are. Verse 29, that Samson reached out toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against him, his, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And then he pushed with all of his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. And thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. Because it's never too late to do what God wants you to do. Did you hear me? It's never too late for you to do what God has intended for you to do. You may be down. You may find yourself down. You may find yourself knocked down. But friend, you're not out. There's still hope for the living. God hasn't given up on you. He hasn't set you aside. He hasn't changed his mind about you at all. He loves you more than you can even imagine. Proverbs 24, 16 says, for though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. Now we tend to think if it's a righteous man, he wouldn't fall, right? But we all fall. We all fail. We all make mistakes. And, the, and it's not the falling that will end you. It's the not getting up. The righteous man may fall seven times, but he rises again. I want to end with these thoughts. I want to end with some similarities of Samson and Jesus. Okay, because you wouldn't, you wouldn't normally compare Samson and Jesus. You'd be like, what? There's similarities? You, I think you'll find this fascinating. Let me read this to you. The similarities. Their births were both promised by angels. They were both called to deliver their people. They both found their people reluctant to be delivered. Both were betrayed by people they loved. 
Both were handed over to be tried by a foreign power. Both were mocked and exposed for entertainment. Both would become like every other man. Jesus for bearing our sins. Samson in the loss of his strength. Both would, be, would stretch their arms wide open. Both would bring destruction to temples. Jesus' death brought, ripped the temple in two. Or ripped the, te- the, the curtain in the temple to two. Both, both were humiliated. Bruce Shelley writes this, Christianity is the only major religion whose central event is a humiliation of its God. Think about that. It's true. Samson would be humiliated by his choices. Samson's humiliation is his shame, but Christ's humiliation was not his own. He emptied himself. He humbled himself. Christ bore our humiliation in in our place for us. Both, Both Samson and Jesus would die to bring salvation. The distinction is that Samson died to glorify God over the false god Dagon, but Jesus died to vindicate us from death itself. That Jesus saved us from death itself by the death that he died and then his resurrection. And Samson, Samson had supernatural physical strength. But with Christ in us, the hope of glory, we can have supernatural spiritual strength. And in our weakness, he can be made strong in us. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me this morning? If you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, if you've not experienced that new birth of life, if you've, because of your mistakes, because of your sin, if you've thought, I've gone too far, I, I, there, there's no hope for me, or maybe you have known the Lord at one time, but you've walked away, and today you're here to, to, to say yes to Jesus. I want to give you that opportunity. I want to give the opportunity to say yes to him. And, and it, it's a huge implication. It it's, it's changes all of eternity, but it's really simple. It's simply just saying yes to the Lord. If you've not said yes to the Lord, or, or if you've strayed away from him, and you want to come back to the Lord today to, to renew your heart towards him, I want, to, I want to lead you in a prayer. And, and if you want in on that prayer, would you, just, would you look up at me? Would you raise your hand and say, Pastor Jay? I want to give my life to the Lord today. I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to know him as my Lord and as my Savior. Is anybody here that say, yeah, that's me, Jay. That's me. Bowed, heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to give you just a moment to just reflect on something that was said this, this morning. Maybe a sentence, maybe a thought, maybe a verse that is just it's just the Lord's using it right now. I just want to give you an opportunity to respond to Him in this moment. In the quietness and the stillness, would you respond to the Lord in the quietness of your heart? Maybe whisper a prayer to Him. Lord, I'm so thankful you don't change your mind about us. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray for strength, Lord. Lord, I pray in, even if there's somebody here who's in a season, Lord, where there's a lot of, a lot of manure, Lord. Lord, that you would bring life out of that, Lord. 
Lord, that even through that process, Lord, that slow, slow process of all that breaking down and good and life coming out of it, Lord. Lord, would not grow weary in well-doing, Lord, for in due time, at just the right time, we'll reap a great harvest, Lord. Thank you for that today, Lord. I thank you for strengthening your people. In Jesus' name. Church, can you say amen? Amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope that this episode made a difference in your life. If you would like more information on giving your life to Jesus, visit us on the web at grace417.com.